0: Good morning, Novation family. I hope you're doing well this morning. Happy Mother's Day to to all our mothers out there. Uh, We love you. We wouldn't be here without you. (laughs) We thank God for you, and I pray you be be blessed today. Um, I also know that Mother's Day can be a little bit difficult um, for some if you've lost your mom. Uh, My mom went to be with Jesus two years ago in March of 2018. And I'm wearing my, my Rockies jersey because she was such a diehard fan. So it's a tribute to my mom. And uh, she was such a diehard fan. I remember she got a, 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 an accident on a They had a trip in Florida. Her and my dad and, and, and my sister's family. And she like broke her leg. And the first thing she asked the doctor when she got to the emergency room, she said, Do you know if the Rockies won or not? Like you're sitting there with a broken leg. And that's the first question on her mind. But... She sure loved Jesus, and she sure loved her family, and she's precious. And her memories, you know, are, are with me, and I'm gonna cherish those. And I would encourage anybody who's hurting, uh, who's who's lost a mom, that just cherish cherish the memories. And uh, praying God's extra comfort and blessing for any that are that are in a little bit of pain today. But to all our moms, we celebrate you. We celebrate what moms <clears throat> do for us. And all that you do in caring for us. Uh, I've got a couple church signs this morning that I want to share with you. Uh, those good old funny, either mess ups or on purpose church signs. And the first one says, having trouble sleeping, try one of our sermons. <laughs> oh, better than Nyquil, put you right to sleep. Uh, picture number two says, Now's a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. Poor guy. (laughs) And then pick number three. This is a classic. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. And then number four. Lord, help us to be the people our dogs think we are. Now, in my household, that's probably not a good thing because me and my dog have kind of a love-hate relationship with each other. But for most of you, true and Dog lovers, you, you know what that means. And then this one says, "No Jesus, no peace. Know Jesus, and you'll know peace. I like that sign. That sign has been very true in my life experience. When I didn't, know, didn't have Jesus at the center of my life, I didn't have any peace. Maybe that's, you're experiencing that as well. But when I came to know who Jesus was, Man, I found a real, lasting inner peace. So, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. That really summarizes what we're going to look at in the book of Ephesians today. We're in a series during this uh, online church experience of going through Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, a place that he planted this church, preached the gospel, And made disciples for Jesus. It took three years. Spent that much time with them. But in this book of Ephesians, we talk. Paul talks and teaches us how we're rooted in Christ, just the way a tree needs a good, healthy root system so that it's not, you know, blown over in the storms, or it's also getting proper, you know, nutrients and water and, and all of that, that we are, need that healthy root system to understand our roots in Jesus. And so last week, we, we talked about being rooted in grace, that it's by grace we're saved through faith, not of our own, but it's a gift from God. And Paul, right here in this, going from verse 10 to verse 11, he, tran- tr- um, he transitions into teaching them, you know, to have peace, that they're rooted in peace as people and how we rate, relate to one another. Um, Jews and Gentiles. Gentile, if you don't know what that word means, it means non-Jew. Anybody that's not Jewish is considered a Gentile. And that these two peoples are, are, have now become one in Jesus and how to live in peace. Peace is an elusive thing, right? It might depend upon somebody's definition on how, how we have peace or what peace really is. But the definition according to the dictionary is, um, peace is the absence of hostility and strife. It's literally a time of, of calmness, f- freedom from war. War, by definition, is conflict carried out by force, a period of hostility, just the opposite of peace. Real peace comes in three different directions for us. Peace with God vertically, peace horizontally with others, and then inner peace that we have with ourselves. God has addressed one of the biggest consequences of the fall through Jesus. This lack of peace with, with one another. Because if you look back all the way you know, in the Bible, after the fall happened, Adam and Eve disobeyed God's you know, command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then their kids, you know, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. So quickly, just like that, no peace. So we're going to look at our text for today with four questions to ask, all centering around this idea and understanding of being rooted in peace. The first question is, what's the problem with peace? It, you know, why did they lack peace? Why, why did the Jews and Gentiles not get along? What, what caused them to, to lack peace? Paul begins, he says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I would summarize that with this. No Jesus, no peace. No peace with God, no peace with others, and no peace with self. I mean, look at that description says, outsiders, excluded, without God, without hope, hostile towards God, hostile towards each other. Sounds like Raiders fans to me, right? What's the deal with the Las Vegas Raiders? That just does not sound right as an old-time Bronco fan, but I digress. To understand the context of what Paul's driving at in this lack of peace between Jew and And Gentile, you got to go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was, you know, the father of Israel. God, you know, calls Abraham out of worshiping like pagan moon gods and all these things. And He calls him and He says, "You're going to be the father of a nation." And He actually told him to look up to the stars and He said, "Try to count the number of the stars. That's going to be the number." of your offspring, of the, of the people I, I make because of you. Now, when you only had Abraham and the Old Testament's point of view, all you see is the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. But as we get into the New Testament, we see where Paul in Galatians says that because of Jesus, Jesus being the seed of Abraham, being in his lineage— Jesus it was all pointing towards him being the fulfillment of everything and that he's the seed of Abraham and that when we have faith in Christ, we are now part of the, the number of the, the stars that he looked up and saw that includes now you and me, even though we're not Jewish, we're included because of Christ. It's, it came full circle. And so. Uh, God gave a covenant to, to Abraham. And they were, that Israel was to be his covenant people. And one of the signs of the covenant outwardly was circumcision. If you don't know what that is, um, you can look it up for yourself. I don't need to explain that to you. But it outwardly identified um, Jewish men. And all part of that ceremonial law, the outward ways that identified the Jewish people, how they were to cut their hair, what they were to eat, and all that. That was all part of, of that. And so the, the lack of peace in the Middle East that is still there today, um, it goes all the way back you know, to, to the Old Testament times as well. And so Jews and Gentiles, in a sense, existed in that sense of hostility towards one another. What caused it? Well, in one sense, when the Jews, God gave the law and the commandments to the Jews, um, he gave that to be a model to the world. There was a calling for Israel to be a model to the world of what a covenant people, how they were to live. Problem is, is just like everybody, they were also sinners. And their hearts turned to having the law to being a, a means of looking down On those who didn't have the law, Gentiles, and they got proud and they would look and they call them Gentile sinners, people without the law, and they were resentful of it. So then the Gentiles resented them, and it's just created this wall of separation, this, this barrier between the people. So, how does all that apply to us today? What does this matter for us in us finding? you know, being rooted in peace and being a peaceful people. Well, our world is more divided than ever, right? I mean, our country is so divided. And it's, it's uh, we as followers of Jesus who follow the way of peace have to understand what that means. Because there's a tendency in the human, the human heart to look down on somebody who doesn't look like you, think like you live like you speak like you there's a tendency in the human heart to go the wrong way and to look down on on people because of politics or because of race i'll tell you racism is a horrible sin it, you know god created people in his image we need to see each other as as fellow image bearers but why do we do that it's because we get our sense of identity from those things, my culture, my, my race, my my status, my money, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. We get we find our identities in the wrong things, and it makes us feel superior. So that's why it's easy to look down on others. The Jews knew they had the laws and commands of God, so they looked down on sinners. Instead of seeing people through compassion, it was easy to become proud. That happens even spiritually speaking. Jesus told the story of a a tax collector and a Pharisee. They both went to pray. And as the Pharisee began to pray, he looked down on the tax collector. And he said, God, thank you that I'm not like this sinner. The ultimate uh, looking down upon somebody, seeing them, you know, in their brokenness or even being contrite about it and still, you know, judging. So that's the problem with peace. What's the solution? What is the solution to the problem of peace? Well, Paul says this for Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles. By creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So what what I get from that is, know Jesus, know peace. That when you know Jesus, you become a person of peace. You have peace with God. You have peace with others. And you have peace within yourself. Jesus himself, he is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the God of peace. He is the way of walking in peace. Think of how Jesus lived his life. People who were broken, guilty, filled with shame, flocked to Jesus, and they found peace in him. They found the God of peace, the God of joy, uh, accepting them and teaching them. Jesus was definitely stern with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, because the way they taught, they put burdens on people that led people away from peace with God. They taught things that they didn't even keep themselves, told people to do things that they didn't even do themselves. Jesus was very hard on that, but he, had a, he was making a point. He wanted people to walk in peace. But he, you know, The children were at peace with Jesus, you know, let the little children come, even the weather, right? Jesus was on the sea of Galilee and storms would happen and he would speak peace, be still. And the, you know, the, the storm would just cease just like that. Jesus is the peacemaker. And we see in verse 15 of what we just read that he ended the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. Romans 10 says that Jesus fulfilled all of the law. He fulfilled it and its requirements. In the Old Testament, we we read of 633 commands. When you think of the law, when you think of law, think of it in three ways. Civil law, which is, you know, the the civil law that was given to, to the Jews by Moses Help them as a society. Excuse me, to take care of one another. Many of the civil laws that that are in, you know, were given to to Israel is still, you know, kind of foundation of the laws in the West, the laws in in our cities, states, etc. But then there's moral law, and the moral law is like the Ten Commandments. Teach you how to love God and to treat your neighbor correctly. Then there's the ceremonial aspect of the law. And the ceremonial aspect of the law were all the rituals and outward things that marked the Jewish people as the Jewish people. You still see it today. If you're in an Orthodox community, you'll see the, the hair on the men and, and, and the yarmulke on their head and the clothes that they wear. You, you can tell if somebody's Jewish by what they wear. When I was in, in Israel 20 years ago, I'm not going to say it. All right. I'm not going to say it. When I was in Israel 20, 20 years ago, um, I remember staying with a family, and they told me that they, they weren't really religious practicing, you know, Jewish people. They were more Jewish by their nationality and their bloodline and, and all of that. They didn't practice the religious parts. And her sister had married a guy that was Orthodox. So she adopted the Orthodox way of life. And I'm uh, definitely not saying anything's wrong with that, but she told me this story that, um, that they wouldn't come to her house, her sister and her husband wouldn't come to her house because they didn't have two kitchens, one for dairy and one for meat. And in a truly kosher Orthodox way, Uh, way of life you had to. you know you can't have meat and dairy in the same room together the same spot and it comes from the verse in leviticus where they were told not to cook a young goat in its mother's milk so they've taken that to the extreme that you don't eat meat and cheese together um don't eat a pepperoni pizza or a cheeseburger but to the extreme that don't even have it in the same room. It's so far on wanting to live out the ceremonial laws that they were instructed. Well, I say all that to say we don't have lists anymore to follow. We have the spirit of God living in us. We have the law of God written on our hearts. Now, if you follow Jesus and you've been born again, God has put his law on your heart and that law is love. We follow one creed, love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That summarizes, Jesus said, all of the law. So important. And then thirdly, Jesus, he's the peacekeeper. He's the peacekeeper. Again, 20 years ago in Israel, I don't know why these keep coming up, but 20 years ago in Israel, I remember being at the border of the northern border of Israel and and Lebanon. And there was this little UN peacekeeper. He was from Ireland. And I remember thinking, he's not going to keep much peace if something were to break here. He needed something stronger, um, more authoritative than, than what he had probably, backing him. You and I, I say that to say, we're connected to Jesus Christ. He is our authority. And if he's calling the shots in our life, If we're following Him, then we will pursue peace and do everything we can to keep the peace. I would ask you
1: today, where where are you not at peace with
0: somebody today? Could be family, could be friend, could be work. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends upon you. Now, you can't control somebody else's behavior. You can't control how they act. You can only control how you act and respond. So he says, as far as it depends on you, pursue peace. The scripture in Philippians 4 that, that we like to quote and memorize says, Be anxious for nothing, and all things, by prayers and petition, make your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds. Christ. It's a great verse, and it's very true. But do you know that the context of that, if you read the verses before, are about two ladies in the Philippian church that were at conflict with one another. So he's saying, you know, the peace of Christ is not just some uh, mystical experience that we have. It's something that we do. It's like peace is something that we do. It's not something that we necessarily feel. It's something that we promote. Jesus said that Told the disciples, my peace I leave with you. Not peace like the world gives, but, but the peace that I can, only he can give. Worldly peace is dependent upon circumstances. Jesus' peace depends on him, the true peace keeper. So being rooted in peace and staying rooted in peace, let's ask the question. If, that, if we're rooted in peace, how should we see ourselves and others? How should we see ourselves in others? If, I, if we were in the church building, and I wish we were, I would say, look around this room. Maybe in your mind's eye right now, picture yourself in the church building and looking around at all the folks in, in the sanctuary. How should we see ourselves in others? Well, here's what Paul says. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles, creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death.
1: Here's a challenge. Take the sins that somebody's done to you. Take
0: those sins to the cross where your sins are at. Take the sins that are done to you instead of letting it turn into resentment and hostility and conflict, take it to the
1: cross where your sins are. Because we
0: love the cross and grace when it comes to our own mess ups. And yet it's hard to give that to others. But I can tell you as a you follow Jesus and you learn to forgive, to truly forgive. That's when you're walking in peace. Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. No longer black, white, brown, yellow, whatever label. We're one in Christ because of Christ. You know what I see from that? How should we see ourselves and others? One new reconciled humanity. One new people, he says, from the two groups, he is now made one. The church is made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It says in the book of Revelation that around the throne of God were people from all nations, every tribe, every tongue. I don't know if you remember last fall, uh, we did a time where we read Scripture. And we have people who speak you know, more than one language in our church. And so we had uh, people... Reading scripture in English, Spanish, Russian, and Chinese—what an awesome demonstration of, of the diversity of the body of Christ! In our, our little church, you know, think about it throughout the world that we're equals in Christ. We've been reconciled together. There's no elite status. We're in Christ. We're His family, reconciled together. Um. This past March, when we went to Israel, there was a, a, a rocket scare that, that there were Palestinians were sending rockets into to is to parts of Israel, and nothing really happened. It ended up they fell in the to the desert, and um, you know, and you always feel really safe in Israel. To be honest with you, I don't want to go too digress too much, but it's safe, and um, we're gonna go again one day, but. I remember thinking about that tension. You're sending rockets there. And the Jews and the Palestinians still having this lack of peace that's there. And thinking about, again, 20 years ago, being in Israel and going to a church in Haifa where you had Palestinian Christians and you had Jewish Christians united because of Christ. It was a beautiful, beautiful picture Of what God can do in bringing peace through Jesus. They get along in that church. They take care of one another. What causes that? Jesus. He is the one in the way of peace. When you have a common interest with others. We call that a club. Bridge club. A soccer club. A baseball club. Whatever it is. A common interest equals a club. But when you take it to skin color or culture or language, there's a much deeper connection that happens for for people. What Paul is trying to get across here is that when you become a Christ follower, you find the deepest connection there is that supersedes race, supersedes um, culture, it supersedes language, all these other identification markers that what we like to to put as barriers between humans he says no i unite people as one new humanity through jesus the world's tried to educate people when it comes to racism and i'm sure it helps a little bit but in reality i'm a firm believer the only way racism ends is with a change of heart when jesus changes somebody's heart when we remove those identity markers and replace it with Jesus, that's when we're walking and rooted truly in peace. And So, if we are rooted in peace, and that's how God identifies us, what should be our message to the world then? If we're people of peace, what should be our message to the world? I say this, tell the world, join the family. And find real peace. Tell the world, come home. <laughs> tell the world, you're welcome. That's why the local church exists, is to tell people about Jesus, preach the good news about his death and resurrection, his victory over our enemies, what he's done for us. We preach that good news, and we declare it, and then we make disciples. Join the family. When in Luke 2, the Christmas story What did the angels declare at the birth of Jesus? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And that's the announcement of peace is what he's called us to do. Paul continues. He says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. What
1: message does your life tell the world about the gospel? What message does your life
0: demonstrate about God, about being a follower of Jesus? What do your neighbors? What do your coworkers? What do your family? What message is being sent? What message is being sent to the world by your life on on what the church looks like, um, or what being broken looks like, being honest with and authentic with, you know, who we were and now who we are becoming. I think that's an important thing to think about because. The world. God has commissioned, Jesus has commissioned his disciples to spread the good news to the world. He's given us this responsibility. We exist for, in, for community with one another, to care for one another, but to also spread this good news to the world around us. This passage came to my mind as I was putting this together. And I'm going to kind of bring it to this message to a close on being rooted in peace through, through um, what I believe Paul was saying you know, to the Ephesians. We get even a deeper look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Let me stop there real quick. What that means is we don't look at people through these identity markers of race culture language status etc we don't regard people anymore f- from that he says that's a worldly point of view he says though we once regarded christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What's our message to the world? Be reconciled to God. God has paved the way for people to have a relationship with him. They can take their sin and shame and they can, they can put it at the foot of the cross. And they can find a fresh start because of Jesus and be reconciled to God. God wants us to repent. He wants us to repent from living a life apart from Him. From living life apart from His ways. Learning how He wants us to live our lives rather than us being our own boss and calling the shots. Believing He has your best interest at heart. Be reconciled to God. We have something to announce. The greatest victory in history has taken place. You know, we don't celebrate the resurrection just on Easter. It's every day that Jesus defeated death on the cross for us.
1: He defeated sin. He defeated the works of the devil.
0: Be reconciled to God. We're rooted in peace. Let's be people of peace. Again, like love, peace is not a feeling. Peace is what we do. Peace is what we promote. I think the sooner we stop relying on feelings and emotions, the more loving we become, the more joyful we become, the more peaceful we become. Don't rely on emotion. Emotions are a roller coaster ride that can even lie to us. So remember, peace is action. I, I want to close with this. Where are you lacking peace today? Have you made peace with God? Have you been reconciled to God through Jesus? It's right there. He says God was in Christ, not counting your sins against you. Saying be reconciled to him. Come to him today. Give all your guilt and shame to him. Repent of doing life your own way. It means to do a 180 and go in the direction of Jesus. Become his, his follower if you've never made
1: that commitment. And then, maybe
0: you're not at peace with others. And it's a big deal to Jesus that you and I be at peace with one another and with, the, with people around us. It's a big deal to him. He's the God of peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He wants us as his disciples to live at peace. As far as it depends upon us. Take the sins of others to the cross
1: today. Forgive. Obviously,
0: in in life and in tough relationships, there needs to be boundaries. You can have boundaries and still walk in peace. You can still walk in love. Then maybe you lack inner peace today. You're like, I just, eh, world out of control. Whatever it is, is peace. He leaves with you. The peace of Jesus Christ is yours. Let's pray. Prince of Peace, we love you. We thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we have direct access to God the Father through you and by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, produce the fruit of peace in our life, we pray, in every direction. Lord, I pray for those who are watching that are that are hurting this morning. They're lonely. They're lacking peace. Lord, I pray for you to lift their hearts today. Let them know tangibly your presence. Lord, I pray for grace in tough relationships right now. That in those relationships, there would be the the pursuing of peace to walk in peace. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for one another. Thank you for our church family, God. Thank you so much for the promise of eternal life because of Jesus. And It's in his name we pray. And all across the city, everyone said, Amen. Uh, I love you guys. And um, we'll keep you updated as soon as we know anything about when we're able to gather together. Still. I um, haven't heard exactly. I mean, we're, we're shooting, hopefully, um, for June, but we'll keep you posted. And in the meantime, stay loving one another, stay connected, and see you soon.